Hey guys, welcome back to the Life by Taylor podcast where we learn and grow together. It is a new week and that means a new batch of episodes are coming your way. I'm so excited to be creating them for you guys and before I get into today's episode, I do want to say that some of you may have noticed that on Friday I did not upload a new episode. So the night before, I was invited to give a workshop at an event called an Afrashat Chala in Hebrew. It's basically a blessing that women do in Judaism. They come together and create challah dough. And I was left with like five pounds of flour worth of dough that I had to bake the next day. And because I had never done it before, I just calculated my times very incorrectly and found myself very rushed. I had to make it to Shabbat dinner, but I had this moment where I remembered something that my spiritual guide in Israel taught me. So this was my Rebetzin. She would give these lessons and she said, so many of our problems come from being indecisive, from being caught between two choices. Should I go? Should I stay? Should I work out? Should I not? And she says, it doesn't really matter what you choose as long as you choose something fully so that you can create a sense of inner peace. And I love that. So I had this moment where I was like, okay, pause. You cannot bake the challah and also make a podcast episode. Instead of beating yourself up for it the entire time, as I'm baking the challah fully unpresent, thinking about, oh, I should be making an episode. I'm not doing it. I'm not staying consistent, blah, blah, blah. I paused and said, I'm fully free to choose. I can make the bread or I can make the episode. And I chose wholeheartedly to go ahead and bake the bread. It was actually something that I've been trying to do for so long Anytime I tried to make the dough on my own, it completely flopped. And once I chose that fully and stopped fighting between two choices, I experienced so much joy in the process of baking the bread. Not only is it considered a blessing in Judaism, I was able to pray and bake beautiful, beautiful challah breads that I've never baked before. I was actually able to let go of the pressure to do both things which wasn't easy. I had to forgive myself for calculating the time wrong and maybe disappointing some people. And and it was a beautiful little lesson I had. So I felt like most of the podcast episodes recently were very much spiritual focused. And as much as I love spirituality and I bring it into every episode, whether it's a spiritual topic or not, but really felt the need to go into another one of those topics that's more science-based and I was choosing between three different books on one on ADHD, one on addiction, and one on attachment style and asked you guys, most of you voted that we talk about attachment style again. So I reopened that book, Attached. For those of you that haven't listened to the episode called The Codependency Myth, I think it's one of the top performing episodes so far. So I highly recommend going back and listening to it if you haven't. But to give you a little bit of a background on the book, Attached is a book by, I believe, two doctors. I'm not sure if they're both doctors, at least one doctor, that are conducting research on different attachment styles and relationships. And it really just explains so much about what makes us compatible, why certain relationships don't work out, what can be challenging when two different types of attachment styles come together. And I haven't read much of this book. I really only read a little bit more than what I shared with you guys in that last episode. And today I decided to read from a part that breaks down the five golden rules to decipher what the what a person's attachment style is. Just by skimming through this, I gained a lot of knowledge already. So I'm really excited to go through it with you guys, break it down for you guys and learn this myself because as a single person who's had three serious relationships, reading parts of this book has given me a lot of insight and a lot of hope because Even though I'm very confident that I can and will find love in life, 
there is something that comes with failed relationships that makes you question certain things that are reoccurring. Is this going to be with every person I end up with? Is this something that's wrong with me? So having this information has really been empowering for me because it really helped me helps me understand why certain relationships in the past didn't work and what I need to look for moving forward. The golden rules for deciphering attachment styles. Number one, determine whether he or she seeks intimacy and closeness. This is the number one question to ask yourself about your partner. All other attachment traits and behaviors stem from this one overriding issue. If the answer is no, you can be pretty sure your partner or date has an avoidant attachment style. If the answer is yes, your partner or date has either a secure or anxious style. I'm going to pause quickly just to give you guys a little bit of background on these three styles because if you didn't hear that first episode I did on this book, this would be helpful. The avoidant attachment style sounds pretty self-explanatory. It's someone who shies away from intimacy, someone who actually has barriers to entry in terms of vulnerability and closeness and maybe expressing certain emotions. I think we can all think of someone who has that style of attachment, whether it's a family member or someone we've dated or maybe even ourselves. The anxious attachment style is the one who's anxiously, who might be anxiously seeking that validation, that closeness, that intimacy, whether it's physical, emotional, could be seen as needy, but I would say just anxious attachment style, someone who needs a little bit more attention. And the secure attachment style is someone who receives and gives love in a very stable and consistent way, in a secure way that isn't too, that isn't too avoidant and isn't too anxious. I will continue. When trying to answer this question, let go of preconceptions. There is no type of personality that is avoidant, nor one that is either secure or anxious. He might be cocky and self-assured and still really crave closeness. On the flip side, she might be nerdy and clumsy and still averse to intimacy. Ask yourself, what does this particular behavior indicate about his or her attitude toward intimacy and closeness? Are they doing or not doing something because they want to minimize intimacy? Suppose you are dating someone with children from a previous marriage. She might not want to include you in them because she is thinking of their well-being and believes it's too early for them to deal with a new man in her life, which is perfectly legitimate. On the other hand, it could be a way for her to keep you at a distance and maintain her separate life. You have to look at the whole picture and see how this behavior fits in. Depending on how much time has passed and how serious the relationship is, does it still seem right for her to be so protective of the kids? What makes sense in the initial stages of the relationship doesn't make sense after two years. Does she introduce you to other family members and close friends? Has she considered your well-being and explained the situation, allowing you to express your feelings about it? If the answer to any of these questions is no, then this is not just about her children's best interests. It's more about keeping you at bay. Number two, assess how preoccupied he or she is with the relationship and how sensitive he or she is to rejection. Does he get easily hurt by things you say? Is he worried about your future together or about whether you love him enough to stay faithful? Is he very sensitive to details in the relationship that suggest distancing, such as when you make decisions that don't take him into account? If the answer to these questions is yes, it is likely he has an anxious attachment style. Number three, don't rely on one quote-unquote, symptom, look for various signs. Looking at one behavior, attitude, or belief is not enough to determine your partner's attachment style. 
That is why there's no one characteristic that can be a, that can establish someone's style, but rather a combination of behaviors and attitudes that together create a coherent pattern. It is the whole picture that tells the true story. Not being allowed to meet your partner's kids can be very frustrating, but if she is able to talk about the subject, listen to your frustration, and find other ways to let you into her life, it doesn't necessarily indicate an inability to be close. Number four, assess his or her reaction to effective communication. This is probably one of the most important ways to uncover your partner's attachment style. Don't be afraid to express your needs, thoughts, and feelings to your partner. What often happens when we're dating is that we censor ourselves for different reasons. We don't want to sound too eager or needy, or we believe it's too soon to raise a certain topic. However, expressing your needs and true feelings can be a useful litmus test of other people's capacity to meet your needs. The response in real time is usually much more telling than anything he or she could ever reveal of their own accord. If he or she is secure, he or she'll understand and do what's best to accommodate your needs. If he or she is anxious, you'll serve as a useful role model. He or she will welcome the opportunity for greater intimacy and start to become more direct and open. If he or she is avoidant, he or she will feel very uncomfortable with the increased intimacy that your emotional disclosure brings and will respond in one of the following ways. You're too sensitive, demanding, needy. I don't want to talk about it. Stop analyzing everything. What do you want from me? I didn't do anything wrong. He or she will consider your needs on a certain matter only to disregard them again very soon after. Geez, I said I was sorry. And number five, listen and look for what he or she is not saying or doing. What goes unsaid or undone by your partner can be just as informative as what he or she is doing and saying. Trust your gut feeling. Consider these examples. At midnight on New Year's Eve, Rob kissed his girlfriend and said, I'm glad that I'm with you. I hope that this will be the first of many New Year's for us together. His girlfriend kissed him, but did not reply. Two months later, they separated. During an argument, Pat told her boyfriend, Jim, that it bothered her that they never made plans ahead of time. She felt more comfortable and secure if she had advance notice and a better sense of their plans. Jim didn't answer. He just changed the subject. He continued calling only at the last minute. She mentioned it again, but again, he ignored her. Finally, Pat gave up on the relationship. In these cases, what Rob's girlfriend and Jim didn't say spoke louder than any words. Those were the five rules. I'm going to read them back just in their titles. Number one, determine whether the person seeks intimacy and closeness. Number two, assess how preoccupied this person is with the relationship and how sensitive they are to rejection. Number three, don't rely on one symptom. Look for various signs. Number four, Assess their reaction to effective communication. And number five, listen and look for what they are not saying and doing. Aside from the fact that this book is actually really good and the substance in this book is really good, I think one of the reasons why people are obsessed with this book is because it's so validating. I feel like everything they're saying is like just proves intuition that we've all had in research and science. As I read about these attachment styles, I'm like, oh my God, that makes sense. That's why me and -and so-and-so didn't work out. Or even that's why me and certain friends work and vibe and make sense. And it just really helps because we can all think of situations where this is the case. 
it's not even only for romantic relationships. Like that's not something they say, but for me, I'm like, oh, right. Like my dad is definitely that type of attachment style and I'm the exact opposite. That doesn't mean he doesn't love me. We're just very different in the way that we express love and how we feel about being open and vulnerable with our emotions. It's so interesting to me because looking back at my relationships, there was one that was an absolute disaster. And they always say it's like the toxic one is always like the most dramatic relationship, the most dramatic breakup. And it was between me, who is definitely anxious attachment with my ex, who was an avoidant attachment style, but like extreme, extreme avoidant attachment style. And if you listen to the episode I did on codependency, they talk about how on some level we are codependent with our partners and that's not a bad thing. When someone like me is dating someone like that, it actually makes me more anxious because you're anxious because you need that feeling of security. You need that feeling of reassurance. And when someone's avoidant, it's really triggering. And I think back to my first boyfriend or even my last boyfriend who were very much good at showing me and reassuring me that I'm loved and that I'm secure and that I can trust and everything's okay. I was very different. So yes, my my second boyfriend definitely has an impression of me as like a psycho, like a crazy girl, a very needy and crazy girlfriend. And that was something that I carried with me, honestly, like for a long time where I'm like, oh, is that really who I am? Is that like, why does he think that? I guess it makes sense, but it really isn't fair because whatever. And reading this, it's just super validating. So it does validate our intuition. And I love that they say, trust your intuition. Trust your intuition. If you're someone that's like, I could totally have this conversation. I'm open enough to have this level of intimacy and conversation and communication. And you're holding that back because your partner isn't. Pay attention to that. If you're someone who feels like they have a hard time going to certain places and their partner's constant and your partner's constantly pushing you to open up more and be more intimate and it just doesn't feel right to you, pay attention to that. Now, I haven't read enough of the book to tell you what they say about this, what you should do about it once you figure it out. So I don't want to give you my opinion because I think that's very irresponsible of me. But I did read in the beginning when I talked about the codependency myth, a story about one of their friends who inspired their research that, yeah, they said, you know, the relationship is either is doomed to fail when the attachment styles are incompatible. It's much more likely to succeed when they are. So I think that's important enough. I don't know about you guys, but I am definitely going to be looking out for these five factors in people from now on, especially when I'm dating. Definitely going to look out for these things because, yeah, it would have saved me a lot, a lot of trouble had I known these things in advance. So hopefully it is very powerful knowledge to have going out into the world and navigating through relationships and partnerships and dating, trying to find love and or trying to keep love. So I'm going to leave you with that. And if you enjoyed this podcast episode and haven't listened to the first episode I did from this book, I highly recommend listening to that. If you enjoyed this episode and think a friend would enjoy it, definitely send it their way. We're not just here to help ourselves. We're trying to help other people as well. And if you want to support this podcast, there's two ways to do that. You can subscribe to give a monthly donation that really helps make this podcast possible and, you know, helps me continue doing this for you guys. Or at the very least, you can rate this podcast and leave a review. Thanks again for listening. I love you all and I will be back tomorrow.